0: What's up Creepers? Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Creepy History. I'm your host Chris Chavez and I'm back. I missed last week. I apologize if you were waiting for that episode to drop and you checked it and you checked it and you checked it and it never showed. Uh, You know, life got crazy, work gets crazy. Um, That's all I want to say about that. To be honest with you, I don't want this to be a rambling kind of, you know, cathartic Way of me letting loose on how work is slowly, torturously driving me insane. No, we're not doing that. I am going to get into this week in Creepy History because that's why you downloaded the episode. You saw the title. You know what it was. You wanted to hear what's happening. So what I do is I take a look at the coming week and what happened in the past and discuss this. My thoughts, my memories, my views. I don't know. Let's do this. We're starting with May 2nd, 2011. This was very recent, 10 years ago, and I I definitely remember this. Barack Obama announces that Osama bin Laden has been found and killed in Pakistan shortly after 1 a.m. local time during Operation Neptune Spear, which was carried out by the United States Navy SEALs. He announced the raid on bin Laden's compound had lasted about 40 minutes. Four other people had been killed in the raid and that bin Laden's body was buried at sea within 24 hours, according to Islamic standards. I remember this happening. I remember it being huge. It was a huge deal when this was announced. Um, For those of us who lived through 9-11... Um, you know, it was it was it was it was a traumatic experience. You know, there's a lot of people just like the JFK thing, right? They say, "I remember when. I remember exactly where I was when 9/11 went down. I remember what I was doing. I remember how I heard the news." And it impacted, you know, it impacted America and our culture changed. You know, there's always this kind of idea that we remember what the world was like pre 9/11 as opposed to what it's like now, uh, and it was a big deal. And so the war on terror began, right? And for 10 years, it raged on. On May 2nd, 2011, it was announced that bin Laden had been killed. And around the world, there was a lot of celebrating going on, whether you you, you, you believe in it or not, whether you whatever side you're on, the reality was that there was a lot of celebrating going on because the view was that a, a very dangerous person had been kind of removed from the picture. Again, you know, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying, you know... It's, it's, it's what happened May 2nd, 2011. Let's go to 1997, May 2nd. Los Angeles police pull over a Toyota Land Cruiser at 4.55 a.m. after the driver was seen picking up a known sex worker. When officers approached the driver's side, they discover they had pulled over Eddie Murphy. After 30 minutes of questioning, they let Murphy go since his excuse of trying to be a good Samaritan and giving someone a ride home checked out. The sex worker didn't get off so easy, pun intended. Shalimar Soule was arrested for an outstanding warrant for prostitution and sentenced to 90 days in jail. By morning, the story made international news once it was discovered that Shalimar was transgender. This one, um, this one is more of a vague memory. This one isn't like impactful. Obviously, it's not like nine eleven or anything like that. But it is impact- You know, it, it, I do remember this happening. I remember it being the butt of you know a lot of jokes, late night jokes. Um, I believe SNL did a skit about this. Uh, and it was this huge thing about Eddie Murphy picking up transgender prostitutes and male prostitutes. Um, I saw when I was looking into this further to kind of get information on what had happened. One of the things I saw was that he had it, he had hired a private investigator to really go out of his way to kind of make this go away. And, uh, you know, clear his name and, and kind of drag the name of, of Shalimar through the mud. Um and then another thing I saw was that Shalimar ended up dying about a year later on April twenty second, nineteen ninety eight. Shalimar was found dead on a sidewalk, um, so the police said it was an accident. In that Shalimar had somehow locked uh, himself out of a a balcony or something like that, and had tried to use his shirt to 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 scale down the side of the house the the building and ended up falling five stories. And dying. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not pointing fingers, but it's kind of strange that this happens and it was quickly written off in this way. Uh, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying. It's kind of strange. May 2nd, 1997. Eddie Murphy busted. Let's go to May 3rd. 1962. What would become known as the Miko Washima train crash occurs near Miko Washima station in Arakawa, Tokyo, Japan. Involving a freight train and two passenger trains, causing 160 deaths and 296 injuries. So I had never heard of this. Apparently around 9.36 p.m., the freight train approaching a main line of the station missed the signal to stop, and a fail-safe mechanism diverted the train to a safety line this prevented a head-on collision with a train a, another passenger train that was was on this line except it wasn't a full safe apparently the locomotive and one of the other wagons came off and came across the main line again and so the passenger uh, train that was arriving ends up crashing into this um, there were no deaths during this crash you know a lot of the people were shaken up a lot of people were injured uh, but people started you know climbing out of the, these cars and, and and walking down the line to get away and, and get to safety um, you know there was there was also signal box operators that were there that should have been you know signaling, Like a warning signal for other trains on the line to begin slowing down so as not to approach the station. But they were so kind of wrapped up in what was happening that they, you know, everybody involved with trying to get everybody to safety completely forgot about another passenger train that was coming six minutes later. And it would end up slamming into the other two And this is what caused the 160 deaths and over 296 injuries. It was a pretty big deal. And uh, it ended up changing a lot of of regulations in the Japanese railway system uh, right after that. Um, So, yeah, that's May 3rd, 1962. Let's move to May 3rd, 2007. This one's fun. The Ministry of Defense plans to open its X-Files on UFO sightings to the public for the first time. Dating back to 1967, the documents contain information regarding reports and any investigative findings surrounding unidentified flying objects. There are 24 files due for release, each containing 200 to 300 reports of sightings, plus internal Ministry of Defense briefings and correspondences. The move follows the decision by the French National Space Agency to release its UFO files in March of 2007, that country would be the first official body in the world to do so. This is huge. You guys know I love UFO stuff. I'm a huge X-Files fan. So back in 2007 when they were opening up the book, saying, hey, you guys can take a look at all of our files and look at what we've been doing, was huge. Our country only just started doing that a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, this was a big deal. And, and, man, when I saw this, I was like, oh, I got to talk about this. This is huge, man. All right, let's move on. May 4th, 1970. This one's not so fun. Ohio National Guardsmen opened fire on Kent State students during a peace rally opposing the United States' involvement in the Vietnam War and the occupation of Cambodia, as well as protesting the National Guard presence on campus. The incident marked the first time that a student had been killed in an anti-war gathering in United States history. So according to Wikipedia, 28 National Guard soldiers fired approximately 67 rounds over a period of 13 seconds, killing four students and wounding nine others, one of whom suffered permanent paralysis. Students Allison Beth Krause, 19, Jeffrey Glenn Miller, 20, and Sandra Lee Sheward, 20, died on the scene while William Knox Schroeder, 19, was pronounced dead at Robinson Memorial Hospital in nearby Ravenna shortly afterward. The fatal shootings triggered immediate and massive outrage on the campuses around the country. More than 4 million students participated in an organized walkout at hundreds of universities, colleges, and high schools, the largest student strike in the history of the United States at that time. Um, so what I know of this is just what we learned in history school, you know, stuff I've seen on documentaries. Unfortunately, this is one of the low points in his our history. Um, you know, the fact that our own you know, our, our own our own National Guardsmen turned their guns on our own people and then shot them. You know, nowadays we look at that and we're like, it's happening all the time. But back then, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't as prevalent or at least it wasn't reported as prevalent. This was quite a shock. And man, it was quite an outcry. One of the things I know about this as well is, is through the uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young song, Ohio. You know, I, one of the things I know is that they wrote the song immediately after this and then ended up you know, putting it out in the air as part of protest for what happened. Uh, but yeah, it was a sad day, May 4th, 1970. Nine years later, though, this is fun. Margaret Thatcher takes the job as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, prompting her political party, the Conservatives, to pay for an ad in the London Evening News, saying, May the 4th be with you. Congratulations. This marks the first recorded reference of the Star Wars influence phrase, to be used in public. Yeah, man, you know, I think if you're a Star Wars fan, the Mar- May the 4th Be With You is the big thing to say when the 4th comes around. Uh, as of this recording, it's May 3rd. You guys will be hearing it. If you download it tonight, you'll be hearing it May 3rd. So tomorrow's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, and then watch out for that following day because it's the Revenge of the 5th. Let's go on to the 5th. May 5th, 1980. The Iranian embassy siege ends with SAS storming the embassy. Okay, for those of us too young to remember this, this is what Wikipedia is telling us. The Iranian embassy siege took place around April 30th to May 5th, 1980, after a group of six armed men stormed the Iranian embassy on Prince's Gate in South Kensington, London. The gunmen, Iranian Arabs campaigning for sovereignty of Khuzestan province, took 26 people hostage, including embassy staff, several visitors, and a police officer who had been guarding the embassy. They demanded the release of the prisoners and their own safe passage out of the United Kingdom. The British government quickly decided the safe passage would not be granted, and a siege ensued. Subsequently, police negotiators secured the release of five hostages in exchange for minor concessions, such as the broadcasting of hostage takers' demands on British television. By the sixth day of the siege, the gunmen were increasingly frustrated at the lack of progress in the meeting of their demands. So that evening, they killed a hostage and threw his body out of the embassy. The Special Air Services, a special forces regiment of the British Army, initiated Operation Nimrod to rescue the remaining hostages, absailing from the roof and forcing entry through the windows. During the 16-minute raid, they rescued all but one of the remaining hostages and killed five of the six hostage takers. An inquest cleared the SAS of any wrongdoing, and the sole remaining gunman served 27 years in British prison." That was a big deal, right? Like the 70s and 80s. I mean, not that the Middle East doesn't have his issues now, but it feels like in the 70s and 80s, there was a whole lot of of hostage taking going on uh, in the Middle East at the time. Um, Let's move on to May 5th, 1963. This is for our music fans out there. Dick Rowe, the head of A&R at Decca Records and who would forever be known as the man who turned down the Beatles, checks out a band at the Crawdaddy Club in London at the urging of George Harrison. Roe loved what he heard so much, he signed the band within a week. Which band did George Harrison have a hand in getting signed? The Rolling Stones. Yes, the Rolling Stones. I'm a fan of the Rolling Stones. Uh, love a lot of their works. You know, Sympathy for the Devil is probably one of my favorite works. Um, Their song Time is on my side. You know, it will forever be changed uh, once I saw the movie Fallen. Um, you know, it's great, great music by the Stones. And this is always a cool story. I, you know, I had always known that George Harrison had some sort of hand in, um, in you know, getting them signed. I didn't know it was through this route. So it's kind of funny. It's through the through the route that the guy uh, who signs the Stones is the same guy who decided he didn't want to sign the Beatles. There's always going to be that competition, too, right? Like, who was better, the Stones or the Beatles? May sixth, nineteen 1966. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley are jailed for life for what would come to be known as the Moore Murders. They were tried and found guilty of the murder of three children, Edward Evans, 17, Leslie Ann Downey, aged 10, and 12-year-old John Kilbride. The two preyed on children by luring them into their home in Manchester where they performed terrible acts uh, on them prior to murdering and dumping their bodies in Saddleworth Moor in the Pennines, Pennines. Couldn't even tell you how to Penennies. I don't know. I'm butchering it. And our friends in the in the UK are like, "Oh my god, this freaking Yank." Uh, yeah. Um. I do know a little bit about this. I remember watching a documentary a long time ago about it. I don't remember too much. I can't. To be honest, I I can't remember if we covered this or not. And if we didn't, this is definitely one that I think we're going to be covering here soon, in the near future. But let's move on to May six, two thousand four, the final episode of Friends titled The Last One, or The One Where They Say Goodbye, airs on NBC and is watched by 52.5 million viewers. I was not one of these viewers. I watched Friends when it first started. I was watching it. I watched it probably into like the third or fourth season. And then I kind of fell off it. And then, you know, when streaming services came around, I started, I was like, you know what, I'm going to watch it and watch it through, see what happens, you know? And so I started watching it and it got all the way to, you know, where there was that weirdness with Joey and Rachel, you know, maybe getting married or maybe being together. And for me at the time, it threw me off. And I was like, what are they doing? It's like, they're running out of ideas. They're just trying to hook everybody up with everybody else. This is a little much. And I stopped watching it again. Uh, And then I recently, maybe a few years ago, you know, Aaron and I decided we're gonna watch it and watch it all the way through. And we did, and we watched it all the way to the end. So now I've seen the entire series, you know, straight through at least one time. I think maybe we did it again. But I gotta tell you, you know, one of the things about Friends is it does not, it does not, it does not age well. Um Good lord. You go back and you watch this and Ross is literally you know, the worst. I mean, I think at the time we thought he was kind of the worst human being, but like nowadays, man, it's so cringe, man. You know, the fact that he's basically like everything, anytime you want to see any bad characteristic in a man and how he treats a woman, you can definitely look at Ross. Um, But yeah, so May 6th, 2004, the final episode of friends airs. Interesting. All right. May 7th, 1945. This is a big deal too. On this day, the German high command in the person of General Alfred Jodl signs the unconditional surrender of all German forces east and west to the Allies at Reims in northeastern France. So this effectively ends Germany's, you know, involvement in the war. They surrender and, and this is when we're, you know, we're on our way to victory Um, It wouldn't be a complete victory and end to World War II until until Japan, you know, surrenders later on. But this was the start. This is when you could start seeing the glimmer of hope that the, the Second World War was finally coming to an end. May 7th, 1968. Bluesology keyboard player Reginald Dwight was looking to come up with a stage name for his solo career, which he was just getting started. He approached his band's lead singer, Long John Baldry, and the horn player, Elton Dean, and asked if they would mind him using their names to create a new one. They said they had no problem with it. So on this day, Elton John is born. Elton John, again, I'm a fan of Elton John. He's got a lot of great songs, a lot of great hits. Um... You know what can you I, I haven't seen the movie. I gotta check out that movie. I know that there was that new movie, Rocket Man. Not new, Jesus Christ. It was a few years ago. But I know there's that movie Rocket Man. We never did check that out. I'll have to check that out and see what it was like. I wonder if it was good. I know that Queen one was amazing, so I wonder if this one's anywhere near that. Hmm. I'll check it out and let you guys know what I think on a future episode. Let's move on. May eighth, nineteen seventy three. The Wounded Knee occupation comes to an end. On February 27th, 1973, around 200 Oglala Lakota and followers of the American Indian movement seized and occupied the town of Wounded Knee, South Dakota, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. So this was something I didn't know anything at all about. Had to look this up. Um, And, you know, there was a lot that was going on here, but just to kind of sum it up, this is what the WikiWix says. The protests followed the failure of an effort of the Oglala Sioux Civil Rights Organization to impeach tribal president Richard Wilson, whom they accused of corruption and abuse of opponents. Additionally, protesters criticized the United States government's failure to fulfill treaties with Native American people and demanded the reopening of treaty negotiations to hopefully arrive at fair and equitable treatment of Native Americans. One of the things I read was that this event here... kind of continued to spark a uh, the spotlight that was kind of shown on how Native Americans had been treated for you know years and years and decades since you know white man had come over and continued to push into the West and and you know at some point got to the point where we we are now as a full country Um, okay let's move on one more entry in this week May 8th 1996 A Los Angeles judge ruled against Tommy Lee and wife Pamela Anderson in their bid to keep Penthouse Magazine from publishing still photos from an X-rated home movie that was stolen from their home. Do I remember this one? Um, I mean, I don't remember the the ruling thing. I definitely remember when this tape first came out. This was a huge deal. This was a huge deal to us, too, because we were, I mean, we were teenage kids. And when you heard, you know, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson were, you know, filming themselves having sex and then it got leaked it's like holy crap when can we get a look at that um spoiler alert it sucks it is not it's it's ridiculous but yeah this was a big deal at the time i think this i think this may have been maybe the f- one of the first or the first uh kind of celebrity sex tape scandals now it happens all the time and it's not a big deal right people are getting their stuff leaked all the time and it's like ah. Eh, there goes another one. And and it's like, really? Who else is going to have one leak? Watch out, Johnny. Um. Anyway, there you have it. There's the week of May 2nd to May 8th. Week in Creepy History. Guys, uh, again, I want to apologize for not putting out an episode last week. Uh, I'm going to do my best to really try to start banking some of these so that when life does get in the way, the content does not suffer. But other than that, there's really nothing else to say. It's time for me to close up this week. I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to finish this and move on. We've got a lot of stuff to go drop off on the Creeper Club front porch Uh, at patreon.com slash historycreeps. That's right, Creeper Club members, I didn't forget you either. Yes, last month was mad crazy, nothing dropped. Keep your eyes out. You guys are getting a whole lot of stuff this month. That's what happens if I fall behind and don't do what I'm supposed to. You guys reap the benefits. So not only are you going to get what you're supposed to for April and May, you're going to get a whole lot more other fun goodies and if you're not a creeper club member now's the time to take advantage of it head over to patreon.com historycreeps history creeps check it out and enjoy some content that's made specifically for the creeper club members all right guys again thanks so much for listening i'm gonna stop talking i'll talk to you later let's get out of here i don't know what i'm gonna do see you next week as always stay creepy